This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week I spoke with Julius, also known as So Rare Tools, and we discussed loads of things. There was obviously the massive Mbappe announcement, the Academy feature is huge, uh, the new minimum bid feature. We even talked about whether or not So Rare is a Ponzi scheme. I hope you enjoy the episode. Please leave us five stars wherever you listen and subscribe wherever you're listening. So, Julius, a.k.a. Gengar, a.k.a. So Rare Tools, you have many names, but there's just one face. Uh, how are you? Good. How are you? It's great to be here again, John. Yeah, no, thanks a million. Thanks a million. Uh, we obviously did a couple of, we've done videos on my YouTube. Have you ever been on the podcast? I've never been on the PopTech podcast. I didn't think so. And you said you've been here again. We did do YouTube videos. So if people like you, they can go and check those out. But we'll jump straight in. There's loads to talk about today. Um, the first thing, just a bit about yourself. You've said something really interesting when we were kind of getting ready to go. And it was about that you have a different stance to most. I mentioned Fabrizio Romano and looking up transfers. And you sort of said, that's not how you do this. Do you want to elaborate on that? Because it, it's a nice, it's a different stance than usual. Yeah. So basically, uh, I mean, most of the podcast guests that you had on here are pretty hardcore fantasy football players uh Mm. i am not i really like the fantasy football component but i also see myself more as an investor Uh, i invest money into so rare and i'm hoping for certain returns which also provides the backdrop for the the tool i build obviously and Mm. that's why i am following the transfer market but i'm not following it in as much depth as maybe other people are like i don't have uh, notifications for fabrizio romano's tweets configured on my phone for example but it's important. And I'm also a strong or big Bayern supporter, uh, which, well, we didn't, we had a couple of transfers. So obviously I followed those closely and it's fun playing with the Bayern full stack. But apart from that, I'm not like a, I'm not an expert on like Asian, Asian leagues, for example, or staying mm-hmm. up and watching games at 3am. That's really not my thing. I hear you. But then why on earth do you have like random Asian, um, is he Asian he is? Where's he play? Uh, I have yeah, two Asian have two and American super rares. Yeah, I have two Asians in my squad. Uh, Koike and Hongzhou. Hongzhou or Hongho. I purchased him like a, a while back because his scores look very good on Sora data. And I was like, this is a one out of a hundred. I'll buy this one. So I bought it mm. so back in the day where I wasn't playing the game in a very sophisticated way. It was more haphazardly. And then quick, was actually a purposeful purchase to strengthen my super rare lineup to play an all-star pro mm. because, uh, I, my intention was to play over the summer period. And so that was one purchase I did, but I don't really know much about him. Just the, the reason I bring up then is like if you're surely if you're like coming at this, well, I suppose maybe it's a balance. Maybe I'm being a bit 100% versus zero. Maybe it's more 70 30. But like, surely if you're coming here just to invest, you're not a big SO5 head, you just buy with the gallery size of yours, you buy two Mbappes or whatever, and you just walk away and come back. Or do you think it's a bit more of a mix, but you maybe lean more one way than others? It's a bit of a mix. And so my experience has led me more into the investing camp because I did try my hand at SO5. And initially I did the mistake that a lot of people did, which is, and we talked about this in one of our videos, I think, where I went on the platform, put in my ETH, and then I tried to put on as many teams as I could and as many divisions as I could without really looking at the underlying players. 
Uh, and I bought a bunch of very mediocre players in the beginning. Uh, great, I could participate in like 10 different leagues, but that really led to abysmal results. And so the strategy mm-hmm. that I'm now doing is I look at who are the best players and then I sell all the crap in my gallery and I buy the best ones. So if you actually look at my, and the strategies that I really started doing over the last couple of months, where if you look at the player, the number of players I have in my gallery, they actually decrease significantly from like 110 or 120 cards or so down to 70. Can I ask you why on earth you bought a Kristoff Kramer if you're going for quality? Oh, that's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> those are, those are, so I, I've been with Soraya for a long time and I'm a huge fan of, of Bayern and the, the, the Mannschaft the German national team, mm-hmm. which is a horrible marketing name, in my opinion, by the way. Um, and so some of the cards I'm buying is collectibles. You might know that okay. Christopher Kramer was a participant in the World Cup 2014 final. against Archie Okay, Kramer. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you look at some huh. of the other cards in my gallery, you might see a pattern. But <laughs> So just look for the Germans. Yeah. That's nice. No, but see, that is nice because, like, yeah, there's Mesut Ozil. Maybe he did have some sort of SO5 credentials when you bought him. Raphael Chikos. Niederlecker, Eric Durham. Hanni Mukhtar, he's German. I didn't know that. Yeah, but he's also starring in MLS. So he's part of the of my MLS superstar strategy. Ah, okay, okay. Howardies and Shirley. Yeah, I can see it. But, um, Look, we, we've loads to talk about today. I think like we'll, we'll give you a, a bit of time initially. Um, you are obviously the creator of So Rare Tools. So, you know, I asked you, you were actually a way better host than me. Normally guests come in and we just bluff it for an hour and a bit. You actually had a bunch of topics that you, you sort of are interested in because that's what you'd like to talk about. We obviously have the Mbappe, the Academy, the minimum bid feature, lots of stuff to get to. But initially, I suppose, you know, taxation of So Rare was kind of you, you were initially so rare tax now you're so rare tools um, and you've built that business your full time i believe um in this now that's right so do you want to talk to us what was that like what's the goal what's the aim what should people use your site for yeah so server tools came from its predecessor server tax server tax is essentially it was an excel file that i had built a year and a half ago to fulfill my own needs of making sure I have the correct data to be able to provide, well, to pay taxes to the German government on my solar activities. And obviously a lot of, there's quite a few people that I, and bigger players that I cooperated with in the beginning informally through Discord, where I just messaged them and was like, are you interested in this? And so, for example, AJ, who unfortunately left the solar platform was one of my, was actually, I think the first customer of mine back then was solar tax where it was just this excel sheet that did a summary of all your transactions that you did in a year like all the purchases all the sales because all that activity is tax relevant and as i started expanding like expanding the outreach talking to more customers what i noticed is that a lot of people don't like the the, the numbers format they don't like looking at excel sheets I, particularly remember a conversation I had with you at the beginning of this year where I showed you the sheet and you're like, the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is happening here? <laughs> yeah. And so I decided to take that ex- experience from the sheet, like having control of your numbers, controlling your ROI, which there's no real, there's no platform out there that really does this or data has 
they, they have the rough numbers, right? You kind of, mm. if you're not really interested in going super deep, they have everything you need. But if you're interested in diving one or two levels deeper into drivers of ROI, like profits, losses, individual cards, like what was the, how much, how much did these cards return in rewards, et cetera, then all that data was in my sheet. And so I was like, why don't I provide a more intuitive experience for it and actually turn it into some sort of, uh, well, into a visual experience. And so that's where the idea for Sora tools came from. On top of that, uh, and that was very, that was actually another driver, which is kind of funny. And we can talk about this is in the German community, a lot of people do loans with each other. So they send cards mm -hmm. to each other for free. And if you remember, there was, that was actually uh, in the new terms and conditions, Dan specifically called that out that that's allowed to do like mm. loans on a one-off basis. And what happens if you do a loan though, is it'll show up as a complete loss. If I purchase a card for an ETH and I send it to you for free, mm. uh, I basically lost an ETH. And so I want to provide people a way to easily mark these transactions as loans. So you could take them out of their tax, uh, their tax calculations. So that's also mm. one of the reasons why I launched the platform funny enough. It's funny one that, you know, the loan thing, like wh where is the line between a one-off loan and collusion? Do you know what I mean? Like if I loan you cards twice a month, is that okay? I'd say it is. Five times a month, yeah. 10 times a month, 10 cards a game week. It's like, where's that line? Maybe they have the line drawn or maybe common sense prevails, but it's an interesting one. Um, But yeah, I think tax is actually an interesting one. Tax is something that isn't spoke about an awful lot. Um, in the world no. of Sora, you know, people, I think it's just one of those things that it's such a headache and a ball ache for everyone that it's better just to forget about it until yeah. it matters. But whenever that happens, you kind of want to be prepared. Otherwise, you'll just have an absolute nightmare with accountants and yeah, whatever else. Right. You probably, uh, while, while you would still probably need to declare it, there's probably a certain amount you could earn tax. It's probably a certain threshold. But if, so if you're like a minnow or you have a very small account, you probably don't need to sweat it too much. But like, I don't know what the threshold is. It depends by country, I suppose, with people from all over the world listening. But like you do kind of need to be cognizant that there will come a stage where like you need to be paying tax and every yeah. country will have different rules. Do you have information for people from different countries? In Germany, it's 600 euros. If you make more than 600 euros, like in profits, very important profits, right? Because mm. you can lose money on the platform. <laughs> Unlimited, yeah, yeah. you're not going to pay taxes. But if you make 600 in profits... <laughs> then you need to start declaring it in your tax returns. That varies by country. Uh, I can't really I can't really tell you. I should ask for the UK, uh, which I think the majority of your listeners are from. Hmm. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, it varies by country. And the important thing to note on this is people, like, there are two topics, I think, in Sora that people, like, the, the two hate topics are, like, that cause the most anxiety and anger. Number one is the DNPs. Right, like if you get a yeah. random at DMP, uh, actually three maybe. The second is injuries, and then the third is taxes. It's just not very much talked about. People just avoid it, and there's a certain element of anxiety that goes with it because then they're like, "Fuck, I like I, I traded like 50 cards, 100 cards last year. I didn't make any notes, and I have to like scroll through my entire history. Like I have to like put all this data together and." that causes people anxiety. And then on top of that, after you pull your data together, you got to think about how am I actually going to tax this? And most people try to avoid that topic and just pretend mm -hmm. that Zora is some sort of black box where you put money in. As long as you don't put money out, 
doesn't matter, right? It's like it's it, it <laughs> nothing yeah. happens inside that black box. But that's not true. And it's very important that people realize that that is not true because eventually the, the trajectory is so rare, the way it's going, and this is a very good development for us as players, is it's going to become regulated. People are going to notice, regulators are going to notice, and they're going to, they're going to start classifying SORA into different things. And what SORA will have to do to preempt some of these, like to preempt some of those regulations or to make them seem in a more favorable light, they're going to introduce more stricter controls on their own website. We're already seeing it. The terms and conditions mm. updates, right? Uh, I'm very sure that at some point, Sora will introduce KYC. And then it's going to be very easy for world governments to find out who you are and like what you played on that platform. Plus, yeah. and I think most people forget this, if you pay in, let's say, even, even with your credit card or with, uh, or with pure ETH, you pay from your wallet, you pay in 20 ETH, let's say two years ago, and now in 10 years, you cash out 200 ETH, let's say a difference of 10 to 200,000, 190K in profits. You somehow need to bring that into your real life. You go to crypto exchange, you change it into fiat. All the major crypto exchanges in every single fucking country are tied up to the governments. They have KYC, right? They're mm -hmm. sharing their data with the government. And then the government is going to be like, uh, sorry, where did those 190K come from? Where did you get yeah. that from? And then uh, you're going to have a problem because you might have to pay taxes from like 10 years back, depending on your country mm. and the legislation, obviously. Um, so that's a topic that actually, I mean, it occupies, it occupies me personally because, and, and that's the reason why I started this, to be honest, is because I needed to do my own taxes. I made yeah. like 15K in profits last year, Euro. So I'll need to declare those, and that's probably going to cost me like six k in taxes, which is unfortunate. But that, mm -hmm. oh, I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it more than anything in the world. More than any, mm, it feels unfair. More. I know it's horrible. Like, do you know that simply Alex lives in like a tax haven, and he doesn't have to Portugal? pay tax on his crypto? No, I think it's like Jersey, the Jersey Islands, or some. One of those wee islands off the south of England somewhere. I don't even know. Maybe that's not where it is. Alex, sorry. But like, it's a tax haven. So I think like, I'm going to go and get a girlfriend over there. Not New Jersey, no. Jersey Islands. <laughs> Emily's commenting here. No, um, New Jersey. That's my accent. Do your best for this one. Let's see. I want to hear the German New Jersey accent. You're in Sopranos. What do you sound like? Give me some of that moths. Moths. They always say moths for mozzarella. It's a weird, really weird thing. I had a new, I had a roommate from New Jersey when I lived in New York. Uh, he was an absolute dick. He used to his entire his his entire hobby was lying on the couch for an entire day, uh, watching I don't know, watching superhero movies like Ant Man three times in a row, and just being on Tinder the entire time and co constantly commenting on his Tinder matches. He sounds like the type room. of guy who smoked weed. Yeah, he, they, he smoked weed. Both the roommates did a lot, uh, mm. and I, well, I occasionally dabbled in it. Uh, can't can't divulge too much. Enough incriminating stuff has come public, out here already. Public forum. Yeah, oh yeah, he yeah, definitely yeah. lied about his height on Tinder because that guy was a <laughs> fucking gnome. He was tiny. A gnome. He was a gnome. He was tiny, and they actually they were and this is the funniest stories they were sorry this is kind of veering off track but no they it's, were it's hardcore stoners 
and they demanded that the apartment be meticulously clean. And I'm a reasonably clean person. Like I have a bunch of shit on my desk going around or like sometimes leave my clothes in the living room, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I once left my laptop in the room uh, or in, in the living room and they held a big lecture about like how dare I leave like my things in the living room. This is a shared place. I was like, sorry, I'm not going to do it again. Obviously it happened again. And they fucking hid my laptop in the apartment and we're like, we don't know where it is. Maybe it got stolen. And so I had a look and they put it under the sofa cushions. And I was like, <laughs> I'm never going to move in with someone from New Jersey again, ever. Whenever I, I lived in a place in, in Ireland called Shannon, it's like near Limerick City. And it's uh, I was living with two guys and we were studying to be air traffic controllers and whatever else. And one of the guys... I don't even know why we decided to do it, but we properly staged a burglary. He was late home. He forgot to lock the door. He forgot to lock the door when we went to to um, over to the college after lunch and we came home and he was like staying behind for something and the door opened. We were like, this fucker left it open. So we went into his room, took his Xbox, took his TV, hid his TV in like a boot of a car, put his Xbox under my bed, took like, like in my room, like pushed things over. I had money. I like tipped it over the floor, pushed my bed around. His room wrecked a bit, wrecked all our rooms, kitchen. We literally like took a like stuff out of the fridge and dropped it on the floor so it would splatter and it just looked like the whole place had been ransacked. And he came home and he like panicked and he rang his mom. You know, we'd he'd recently moved out of home and he started to panic and his Xbox and the TV were gone. And our routine was to wind down every night. You go home and he was playing like GTA and he was like four hours twiddling his thumbs. And then we told him. Turns out it was a pretty shit joke. He was very upset. But um, yeah, yeah I the story, I, I think, from, from our two stories is... Don't so you're the guy from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I'm the New Jersey <laughs> asshole. That's the problem. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, tax. Well, yeah, apologies to all the listeners from New Jersey. I have very good friends from there. So uh, yeah. no disrespect. But yeah, back to the, back to the tax <laughs> topic. Like, take care of it now because the, the other side to this is you might actually get favorable treatment in Germany. If you hold NFTs for a year, they're tax-free, or uh, that is an interpretation of the law. Uh, no, no tax advice, but you can reasonably argue that. And so there is actually a huge advantage in declaring your taxes. You can take losses that you get on SoRare. You can declare those, right? There's a lot of stuff that you can do that might be favorable to you. So to any listener, to any person that's playing SoRare, I recommend you to start thinking about this topic. And... What we're trying to do is we're trying to get accountant like partners from different countries so that the SoRare players always have a person that they can talk to when it comes to mm-hmm. when it comes to SoRare and taxation because uh, and trust me I, I went through this the process of explaining SoRare to an accountant is painful it's very mm-hmm. painful yeah I, I tried it as well um, recently I did tax returns recently and trying to explain the intricacies of buying cards and selling cards and holding cards and giving cards away and nfts and crypto and all that it's it's um it's it's not easy but look we've we're about 20 minutes in here and we haven't mentioned the the biggest topic of the week um in my opinion well i don't know there's two of these are pretty big killing mbappe has signed with so rare as a brand ambassador He's a, like a, an exclusive long-term ambassador as well as a major investor, which is huge. Do you know, being a major investor, I heard through the grapevine, forget who it was from, that maybe they're fundraising their, their Series C. I don't know if you've heard anything. 
Dude, you heard that from me. <laughs> I know. I didn't want to say. <laughs> That's why I was giving you the eyes. I was saying, I don't want to out you here. <laughs> I'm gonna, I was like, I'm going to give you the opportunity to say or not say. So look, you've given it away. Yeah, no. I, so I heard, and this is all hearsay. Uh, I heard that there's a Series C in the making, which from Sorrier position, from Sorrier's position makes a ton of sense. The licensing agreements that they're doing are expensive. Uh, Killian Mbappe is a brand ambassador. It's probably also not cheap, even though if, if he invests a significant amount of money, it could probably, uh, mm. they probably gave him a sweet deal on equity. Uh, but it does make sense because fundraising in this environment would show a lot of strength and it would set them apart from basically every single Web3 project out there being able to do this. And it will provide them with a war chest that they will need to do further licensees, right? We don't, we still don't know what the MLS product is going to be. There has been some doubts whether it's actually going to be a fantasy mm. football, uh, fantasy baseball game since because of the licensing issues. Uh, so we'll see. And the, the Premier League license is still the big one, right? The price tag on that was rumored to be 600 million and we still don't know whether Sorer got it. There have been some signs to the contrary uh, but if they come with another ra- raise, which would value them over $10 billion, uh, so-called Decacorn, that would be huge. And it would mm. send very strong signals to the community, future potential players, and also potential partners. And I think it, it would be the right thing to do, obviously. Yeah, I think that like, we've seen the hype that came from the initial $50 million raise. Then there was the $700 million raise. And now, like this one, you would expect to be bigger. Would it be bigger? Yeah. It would be bigger. Do they get yeah, yeah, be bigger? I mean, is that what happens? The valuation is what matters, right? It doesn't. The amount, the amount they raise is yeah, it's significant too. But if they raise like what let's it, say five hundred million, which it depends on the equity before, they're giving up for it. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so like a new a new raise would be, and, and I think like we are seeing a lot of kind of talks of that on Twitter about how strongly SoRare's performed relative to pretty much every other NFT project. You know, there's still liquidity, there's still movement, there's still excitement, there's still transactions. Um, and I mean, like a lot of the NFT world at the minute is really on its knees. So, um, yeah, it's very, very positive. Back to Mbappe, like I think like, you know, it was only last week, I think it came out that Mbappe was going to sign some stuff for Tops. It was the first autographed cards that had been ever done for him. And it's sent that whole collectible um, physical world into into madness um you know getting him on board was so rare you know it could mean a lot of things even in terms of of merchandise in terms of everything else and in terms of even onboarding other players as if not necessarily ambassadors as players and getting their player cards because when you think about it like having mbappe then you approach any other footballer and you go well mbappe's on board do you know what i mean he is the he's the guy he is the guy at the minute and he will probably be the guy for the next 10 years so when you have the guy on an exclusive long-term thing the weight that gives you in terms of negotiations across the board is insane. Even for like getting league, like yeah. even for getting the, the whole league. Here, here's my contrarian view to it. Uh, I'd prefer, let's say, someone of less with less stature, but who's more active, actively involved in the game. Right? I would think about Serena. Right? It was a big fanfare announcement. Never heard anything about her and Sorer again. So what I would like to see is that Mbappe actively promotes this game, plays it. Like mm. he has I mean he has like 80 million followers or so on his Instagram. 
If he mm-hmm. starts posting content on Sorry, that would be great. They all do for FIFA because they actively play, right? Yeah. But for Sorry, that's the big question. Do they have time to do this? Or, and this would actually, this actually brings me to another very interesting topic. <laughs> Are they going to hire managers to play it for them? Because mm. then they would be going against the T and C's, but it could open up other venues for Sorare. Uh Different topic, though. But yeah, yeah, I think like, yeah, that is, if that's against T's and C's, having another manager, manager account, it's also like a nice idea long term. I love that. I personally like love that e-sports. because I love that. Because, and I'll tell you why. Because I personally would like to see, Sorare focuses a lot on the like, the, call them casual users right with limited you want people you want to onboard people into the platform like on the lower rungs right mm-hmm. but it, potentially opening up to letting other people manage your squads could lead to a lot more professional investors coming in and what do professional investors bring with them a lot of money mm. and imagine Danny Parejo stuck 20 grand and 100 grand and then just let me manage his gallery and I was like Danny Parejo's manager that's the dream poor Danny Parejo I'm pretty sure he could hire a better manager with that money hey he wouldn't he wouldn't (laughs) be able to hire a more passionate one (laughs) (laughs) he has to hire me do you know what I mean like he can't hire someone else anyway you were going to say uh, no, but that, that's a completely different topic. But yeah, I think, uh, take note of it because we should discuss that later. But yep. uh, yeah, I would like to see Mbappé being active on the platform versus just being like a cardboard cutout. Mm. No, I, I hear you. Like, I mean, it's wonderful. It's exciting. But if Mbappé doesn't tweet anything, there's no Mbappé exclusive type giveaways. If there's no Mbappé Instagram stuff or him playing or content through so rare of Mbappé outside that 20 second clip announcing him. If it's radio silence for six months, it's nice having his name stamped on it. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as exciting as the community's making it out to be right now. So it all depends on the how much he's actually invested. It says a major investor. If Mbappe is legitimately a major investor with millions in this, maybe he wants it to succeed. Maybe he goes that extra mile. So we'll see. Two things just to look back on that have come up since we were speaking there. Emily says we have 45 regular listeners in New Jersey. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I don't know. Am I going to do this? You know, my other thing that I could say in like New Jersey, they go like, give me a hot dog. They say dog. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. A lot of American anyway. culture before I moved there, I knew through Jersey Shore. Oh, remember that? Great show, Holy D. Yeah, the situation. GTL Jim yeah. Tan Laundry, bro. Oh God, I can't wait to go and check the retention. Like, if people haven't switched off now, I'm gonna do more of this. So, if you haven't switched off, probably switch off, or this is gonna happen more. But the other thing I wanted to bring up, just when we mentioned, like, so Mbappe's in. A huge announcement, huge onboarding, very exciting. Picture of Nicholas there beside him. Um, but it's kind of led people maybe to start to think about, you know, every time you get something large this summer, after they might have kind of hyped up this summer, the Premier League is the thing. The Premier League keeps coming up. And then people notice today that if you go on to So Rare and you type into search any club from the Premier League outside, I think Liverpool and West Ham, because they did have the license, oh, even West Ham's gone. Um, so Liverpool's still there the crest all the crests are gone from the site so it's just like a generic 
for Man United it would be like MUN and like red, you know, and Man City would be MCI probably in blue. And it's like, is that where they tried negotiating, they did not get it and they've been told, take our images off your site? Or is it they've negotiated with a players association and not the league? Or is it they've took off the badges to upload new ones? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it looks positive is what I'll say. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it means nothing because part of me keeps going back and I talked about it with Sam Tai last week. I really do think so rare have really built up expectations on this with the stuff about they hope to have the top 20 leagues on. They're still confident they can do it by the end of the year. They're still confident they can do it by the end of the year. They're hoping to do it by the end of the year, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, if it doesn't happen, I was saying on a live stream today, I don't think it's actually the be all and end all, but it would be a wee bit of a kick in the stones. But I mean, like, I actually just don't think the Premier League would be that fun. Um, it would be great from the, like, the onboarding standpoint. It would be great from like a marketing standpoint and everything else. But in terms of the actual game that we all play and love, I think any of the standout options in the Premier League are going to cost loads. It'd be nice to have them in reward pools, but I don't think I'd be going out buying Phil Foden's. I think I'd be trying to win them. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't think it would improve is... my experience personally a lot, but I think it's huge for the platform. So it's this real like dilemma. Mm. But um, yeah, the badges, what do you think that means, if anything? Yeah. Well, first, how can you have a contrarian view on the EPL coming to Soria? This is the first time I ever hear someone... <laughs> Having like any type of negative sentiment on that. Like imagine how cool it would be to have your little limited, I don't know, Burnley stack. And then Oh, I can't wait to have a limited Burnley stack. <laughs> Earlier in the championship, you piece of shit. <laughs> well, yeah. Well that comes that on I know what you this, mean, but... though. I know what you mean. <laughs> like that that is really fun. And that's like that's I think actually the nicest element of Sorry out of SL5 is like you buy these players and you go and watch the games because obviously you cannot afford Chelsea games. Yes. Yeah. Uh Fulham. Yeah. Has to be, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know what that means. It, I actually have no idea how they were able to get the logos on there beforehand. So that's what interests me more: is that, did they have some sort of licensing agreement, or did they just put them on there? Uh, mm. Because that means that there's definitely has there definitely has been some sort of change, right? Either they messaged them and said take the logos off, or they have some sort of weird agreement with fifth pro like they did with the mls right where they got the players like pes uh, pro evolution soccer where you get the players but you don't get the teams yeah so if that happens that will be unequivocally positive uh but rather other than that i mean there's no point really in speculating i don't know so no you're right that but i mean i'm looking up like if you look up like on licensed french clubs like who from france isn't on Nice, no, Nice are. Um, Troyes, Troyes, are they on it? I don't I think so. No if you search them, there's just no image for the club. You, oh, yeah, that might be fifth pro, but then, I mean. But then, like, if you look up, yeah, I don't know. Look, we could sit and speculate all day about it, but it's just an observation and something to throw out there to podcast listeners. So Mbappe happened, very exciting, wonderful Let's see what happens. And I'm going to drop a little hint. I would speculate that the big guest that I've hinted a couple of times is coming on the podcast less than a month to go now. I would say that they're about an inch and a half shorter than Mbappe, if I had to guess. Um, but we have to talk about the academy. 
So the academy's happening. You like that tangent? Let's keep them guessing. So lots happened this week in the academy. It's actually very exciting. I think. I think it's great. Um, I get. I'll hit the kind of one piece of contrarian or spit or like negative anything that I've seen. We'll do it first. Some people are saying it's a bit complicated. Like it's adding more complication to an already complicated product. But I mean, like you can't have Honestly, all this new shit. I personally, I don't give a shit. Like, uh, I work in software development or product management, like building products. It's more important for me that you get shit out there and then you can refine and iterate on it. Mm. And if it's too complicated, they'll figure it out. But at least they finally put something out there. This was supposed to come out last summer, if you remember, a year ago. That's when they, they promised it in May 2021, I think, like a progress bar. A progress bar towards like winning rewards and i think this is a very very positive development because you are one you have to buy into solar to do this you have to buy limiteds mm. and so you are required to spend money on the platform which is very very important and also tangentially related to the question that we're going to answer that we're going to discuss later uh, but yeah it's a way to bring users into the platform and not only have this like weird common game where you just win common cards, but it's a real way to transition out of the free to play into the pay to play. Right. And I think the way that they're doing it is quite smart in that you are forced to buy limited cards. You can buy two shitty ones. doesn't matter. And that's probably the best strategy for, for newcomers that just want to try it out Buy two limited for three euros each. And then you chuck them in there with the Kimmich that you got from your common draw or whatnot uh, yeah. and play it. I think what they're doing really well is they're taking out the bottleneck of the goalkeeper without killing the goalkeeper prices. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, so they've took it that you need the rare goalkeeper for thresholds from August. I think that's a good move. But then in terms of this now, you could still rock a common goalkeeper, common to, common to others, and then pick two limiteds and still challenge for tier two limiteds and tier three limiteds. Yeah. And then whenever you get ready, or maybe you win a goalkeeper, probably maybe not in the tier two pool, but you might get someone. Um, you know, maybe then you make the step up, but it's it's kind of made that barrier go from whatever the cheapest limited goalkeepers are, the play, right the way back. Like I, I've been doing videos now, digging into like the Mexican league and the Belgian league and doing the Austrian league tonight. There's guys who are making these videos about that. It's like this guy legitimately scores really well and he can shoot a hundred. He might shoot 35 some weeks, but he can shoot a 90 and he's six quid. So like this move legitimately makes it possible for people to start. And I, I'm not shitting you. I actually, that good video title. Not going to give it out. I've just got a good video idea. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. Is that it? You could, I'm not shitting you. You could, but like, you could start so rare on a very, 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 very low budget now. Like, yeah. not even like twenty quid. You could start, and that that's the key. And then, and the other key is that you're only allowed to compete in this or the other paid leagues. So you're not going to yeah. have Hibby or uh, what's his name. You never walk alone. Play those leagues, <laughs> yeah. Right, which I think is very important because. You, you allow people to really ease into the game. It'll make it more easy to understand it. And what I would love for them to do is to combine this academy with like a real overview over how you're supposed to play the game, kind of like how the FIFA skill move tutorials work, right? But for so rare, like 
They, mm. they take you along, they take your hand, they send you emails on how it works. And also after you received your first reward, the first scores come in, they explain to you exactly what happened, right? So you're like taking along in real time. I think mm. that would be very, uh, I think that would be very nice and could make for a much smoother transition. And here's what I really hope is that they make this experience great in the app because the app is kind yeah. of useless so far. And maybe that will finally prove like a good use case for the app. Cause I don't, I don't think anyone uses that app. I don't use the app. So, I haven't checked into the app in weeks. Yeah. yeah I you think, um, data, so. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you don't use, you don't use the app. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, been able to come in there now with two limited cards, have a crack at it, win some more limiteds. I think even like the threekly is very interesting as well. Um, because basically again, that cuts out the necessity for a keeper for those special modes. You know, you throw yep. bang in a common goalkeeper, stick in three outfielders, you're laughing. So the threekly is good fun. The underdog is accessible because you're buying shit players essentially, or guys who with low averages who can peak. Um, specialist, you know, whatever you might be, you might have to buy a guy who averages above sixty and is a good player. But like, even these like super rare kickoff and unique kickoffs, like I picked up my first unique now. I'm praying that he'll have an average before below fifty for a bit. But like Nicholas Dorsch, um, no? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. So I think like those are interesting modes because it means if you've got one super rare, it adds more utility to having even a super rare. It makes you push because you can enter a super rare and then four limiteds and then yeah. off you go. And then the last one is the special freshly, which I thought was really interesting because it's not something anyone's really thrown out there I've seen talked about. Basically, it's where new season cards get a massive bonus of 10% and, and older cards or any cards for every level they have lose 10% or lose 2%. So like if I have a level 15 Hans Vanneken, he's a minus 30% card. So like there's no point. So that really encourages people buying new cards, yeah. do you know? So you, this is actually, this is great because it addresses what they're doing, trying to do. And this makes so much sense is they're finally trying to address like, the they're trying to increase the utility of cards essentially mm. right and from their perspective it makes a lot of sense because now instead of concentrating concentrating people's capital on these like superstar rares kimmich mbappe which are affordable for most unaffordable for most people like even the limited mbappe now is what 2.2 2.5 eth something mm. like that uh you're now telling people hey it's not only the star players that are valuable with good scouting, uh, you can even you can win cards with shittier players, and I think that or players that like have low levels, like the the unique kick uh, the the super rare kickoff is a great example. It's a gateway drug mm-hmm. into the super rare divisions. Right now, you bought your first unique, great, you can participate in the unique kickoff with a real chance to win something because your captain needs to be unique, and Dorsch is not a bad player, so. What they're trying to do is they're trying to increase the, they're trying to democratize the system more, right? Because mm-hmm. the leagues that they usually have, the standard leagues, they're highly money correlates with winning, right? The more money you invest in your teams, usually the star, the star teams win, right? The more yeah. stars you have, the more higher your probability of winning. And this evens the play, playing field, levels the playing field more. And I think that's very, very, very important for the development of the platform going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think like as well, just to go back to that academy, like it is huge that, you know, as you said, the wheels aren't going to be playing there. And the issue that we previously had there was that the people who've been on for a long time, who have the biggest galleries, have the strongest common cards and the most of them in the strongest form. So like even 
even beginners competing there was going to be impossible. So I think like the Academy is a, is a huge, um, a brilliant yep. thing that in. I'm just checking there. Yeah, So there still is casual on top of the Academy. So like you can still enter casual and Academy. So like it's brilliant. Um, but you'll see, and here's another interesting factor for a player like me. I'm not going to play all of the, probably not going to play most of these new new modes because I don't have the time to scout players that specifically fit into these into these molds. And my strategy is more with other people that are maybe not as into the the fantasy component. Uh, I buy I try to buy the star players and I compete in the traditional leagues. And so now you mm-hmm. have a double effect where other players like me and you have uh, I don't know maybe Hibby right who might not even take the effort to go into these, these specialist competitions. Mm. And so you're opening it up for the people that love playing fantasy, uh, like Premier League or Communio in Germany that have the required knowledge, but maybe not the required capital to compete in the normal leagues. So mm. I think that's really, really, really great development because ultimately where you want to get to so rare is if I tell my, the mates that I'm playing football with, I tell them, hey, I'm playing this game called Sorare that they're not going to be like, what the fuck is that? I can't even pronounce yeah. the name. It's very hard to pronounce, even even when you speak good English. Sorare or Sorare? What is Sorare, it? Sorare, Sorare, German, Sorare. I don't know. Uh, so I think like that's yeah. where we want to get to, right? Ultimately. Yeah, because I mean, like I know, like I have a few people in my life who like will mention to me like, oh, that's a rare thing. I must give it a go or like I must give it a crack. And then I'm kind of thinking like, you don't realize that these cards go for hundreds of thousands do you know what i mean and i don't want to like sound like an asshole being like i'm a big fish do you know what i mean like yeah 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 you can have a go but it's going to cost you 500 quid to have a crack and then they're like fucking hell do you know i'm not going to do that that's a holiday but um now it's like i know a feynard fan um and i chat to him all the time always by you know i cocked you i was playing football with him yesterday and tore my hamstring of course um hopefully not too bad but anyway he's into feynard and it's like he might actually be able to go in and buy like one or two of those players now and spend 30 quid, 40 quid, yeah. 50 quid at limited and, you know, give it a crack. Um, which is, which is nice. Here, Cause I think from. Here's an idea where you can get all of those dudes. Right. And this is what I would love to see on so rare is so rare has very little elements of communal play. Like everyone plays by themselves. Yeah. You have your communities that you chat about and, but ultimately, I don't give a fuck where you end up this game week, and you don't care where I end up this game week, right? We're all playing for us. What yeah. I would love to see from Sorair is the introduction of some sort of mates leagues where let's let's throw out this crazy concept. A, a game week mode that goes on for 12 weeks where I can set up like a, a budget for people. Like I'll, I'll, I'll say to you and like 10 other people, okay, everybody has a budget of 200 euros. You got to pay that into Sorare and then you have, you can buy limiteds and rares and whatnot on the open market. And then we compete for 12 weeks straight in like a sort of league. But mm. the budget that is typically the budget that in games like Comunio or fantasy premier league is, is fictional. It's real mm. in this case. And I think that could make for a really interesting experience because then you're not competing against like random people from all over the world. You're competing against your mates. And that is what makes these Mm. FPL, Communio, whatever, the fantasy experience, that that is what makes it. And if Sora can take that 
and, and bring it over. That would be amazing. Yeah, unless as long as there's no, nothing to be lost, then they're in the gambling territory. But I always think like something they under give away is almost XP or like the freebies or that keep yeah. going on about. It. I'm sick of it. I say it every week. People take the piss out of me now. The bloody like achievements in the shop and all the club shop and little bits and bobs on the side, you know. That like people spend <laughs> millions, billions on Fortnite and COD every year. And I know they are not necessarily 25, 40 year old men, but like people spend millions and billions on aesthetics and games. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying so rare need to even monetize that, which they could, but even just to incentivize like side games and other things. And you think, why, why not just like allow people to set up leagues that run for X amount of time or and have some sort of incentive? I, I don't know. There's ideas there. They've mentioned like, um, clan type stuff before where like you have a little team or clan and, like you know you, you build your little team I don't know how it works where they could, I could have a few of my mates in it and maybe your average score counts as your actual score but then maybe that could be gamified there's probably a way around it but like or imagine like a game mode where like five managers could essentially decide they're in a wee team and every week there's a game mode where one every person has to enter one player and it's on used to work out who's going to take the end up with a goalkeeper and, and sacrifice a lineup. But, you know, like different things like that. There's a lot that could be done kind of communally. But um, anyway, in terms of like right now, I think the academy is a great step. They've set it up. I think it actually kind of starting to look like an actual decent onboarding thing um, where the barrier to entry is low. There's a bit of variety there and it can be fun. On top of that, there's Mbappe. On top of that, they say they're ramping up marketing. There's all these different things happening. It is set to be an exciting summer. MLB hasn't even happened, but you have to imagine that's imminent. Um, God knows about other sports leagues. Football coming back, you know, in all sort of walks of fantasy or even just collectability, off-season is traditionally a really slow time. So things are going to speed up again. Um, when players come back, things happen. But yeah, no, just I, I'm really excited. You know, whenever obviously... ETH crashed and NFTs weren't looking great even two weeks ago the sentiment was different but how well so rare have coped with that um, because of how good the product is and on top of that made some really exciting announcements I think like it's it's actually had the reverse effect where instead of people starting to be a bit sheepish people are probably a bit more bullish than they were even two or three weeks ago well I'll tell you crash I can tell you a funny like uh Funny little data anecdote. If you look at the market cap of, and I only did this for Champ Europe, but if you look at the market cap for Champ Europe players, so price multiplied times the current number of cards. Uh, if you look at this in fiat during the big ETH crash, where I think ETH, ETH went down, what, like 70, 80% Bitcoin as mm-hmm. well, something like 60%. Uh, Sorer only crashed 30% in terms of fiat values. And it's actually been recovering well into like the, we're down like minus 15% when you look at the fiat values. Obviously this varies massively by player, but if you look at the market overall, the impact has actually been much, much lower than on the crypto market, which I think everyone, everyone has seen that. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. all the ETH values go through the roof on the galleries. Uh, you still have a significant, or like a significant and massive fiat loss, but it's not as drastic as in the other crypto markets, which shows that Sora can serve as some sort of hedge or is actually a little bit disjointed from the broader crypto market, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to break up the heavy chat with kind of a couple of light points around transfers, and then we'll go back and we're going to talk about the minimum bid feature, a few things you'd said, and then we'll see if there's a couple of questions. Um, 
what have I made a note of here? Do you ever write something down and then you're like, what on earth does that say? Oh, I'll find it. Okay. So, um, yes, the first transfer I want to speak about this week is Romelu Lukaku is going back to Inter. It's all but confirmed. It may as well be done. It might have even been confirmed since we started speaking. Lukaku was an absolute monster at Inter before under Conte. He went to Chelsea, disappointed not for the first time in the Premier League. Looks like he's going back. Different manager there at the minute. But he could go back and really change that Inter Milan team um, or maybe flop. But I, I think everyone expects him to become one of the best sort of forwards in the top five leagues in Europe. So a really elite champion forward going into next season. Do you have any interest in Lukaku? I looked at him once, actually, because I own Werner. And so I was pretty concerned when he went to Chelsea. Uh, what's interesting is that you haven't really, there has been no sale, at least of the rare card of Lukaku so far. And even though he was performing horribly at Chelsea, his price never like completely crashed. He was always a premium player. And so <laughs> if you're a person that bought Lukaku like six months ago, congratulations, you were finally... <laughs> finally going to be able to reap the benefits on him hopefully yeah there's one person bought the super rare for like 3.9 ETH um about a month ago maybe they maybe they're looking good now but um yeah his scores previously were absolutely through the roof just braces assists everywhere but obviously the last year has been very disappointing so if he goes back to the previous scores he will be without doubt one of the best forwards on the platform the next transfer that we're going to speak about is Malatia to United. Now, that was hijacked. He was going to Lyon, and a lot of Surrey managers were getting excited. They were thinking, well, at least I was. Malogusto, Max Kakare, Ryan Cherky, all the rest of the under-23s there that are really good, and he's just going to slot in at left-back, and it's going to be a match made in heaven. And then all of a sudden, Man United swoop in, last minute, off he goes, Ten Hag having a ball, and... It's one of those now he's going over there and, and he's going to be competing with Luke Shaw, Alex Telles, who could be on the way out. And it just kind of went from like a really nice move to a league that he could have competed in to like a place now where, I don't know, maybe it's maybe you could argue it's good for him, but I, I think even just his progression and, and experience as a player, I don't think it's good for him in any way other than a payday. But you mean maybe I'm wrong. Man United, that is, that is pretty tough. <laughs> Yeah, like that's, 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 it's grim. Like it's for him, for his so rare card, for everything. It's not good short term unless United flip everything around him and become amazing the next season, and he's a focal part of that. I just think that's a slow burner compared to like card holders would have been really excited about Leon, and that's kicked him in the balls. The last transfer I wanted to speak about is Xavi Simons has went to PSV. Now, you were saying before, Mario Goethe is off to Frankfurt, so that could be a like-for-like. He's obviously been one of the most highly touted, like, exciting young midfielders um, that just, you know, popped up football manager everywhere over the last few years. He was was at Barca, he was at PSG. Um, He's been just in really elite clubs for a long time, but never really played outside, like, Youth International. And he's finally going to PSV, which seems like a league that a team like that wouldn't be getting him not to play him. Do you know? And what was surprising for me is that it, I don't think it was a loan. It was a permanent deal, wasn't it? Uh, no, I think it's a loan. Is it a loan? Maybe I'm full Probably with a, or, or a permanent deal with a buyback clause. But there's definitely yeah. some, something in there where he can go back. Check it out. Chavi Simons. Da-da-da. No, it actually is a transfer. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. 
yeah, full transfer. That that really surprised me because I kind of expected um, alone. But that that seems like a good move for PSV, you know. And, and from a so rare perspective, and he was free. He was free. Yeah. Well, then that's a kid. That there's two. There's two moves right there. Okay. One is a guy going from an elite club to a club where he can actually play and get experience, and the other one's Malachi, who's going to an elite club from a, a challenger league. Um, who's probably going to get bench minutes? It's one of those, isn't it? It's like two fates. Yeah. Um, but here's another opportunity to tell us now. Could be very interesting. Yeah. Because when he was at Porto, he was outrageous. He was one of the best Please. defenders in the platform. Um. So yeah, they're the three kind of confirmed transfers that excited me most from a surreal perspective this week. Um, we'll keep an eye out over the next week. There's a lot of exciting ones. They aren't just confirmed yet, uh, but I hope everyone's doing okay. It's been a bit of an under-23 bloodbath, particularly with the Porto boys. Um, so yeah, let's see how that goes. Right. The last feature from So Rare I did want to discuss today was this minimum bid thing that they've introduced. So it used to be just regardless of the price of the card, bid increments went up in 10%. That was it end of story but they've changed it to a minimum bid increase rule update uh, following community feedback they've removed that um, bots were taking advantage of that rule by bidding at like 95% of the market value on stars player, star players whose market value was stable so let's say this is random let's say Mbappe was at an ETH and he's always at an ETH they were bidding 0.95 so that someone would have to go and pay 1.045 and then people wouldn't bid, so they'd get it for 0.95, then list it for an eighth, and just coin the make the profit. That's basically what they were doing. Did you write so down that your... calculation before the podcast? No. So Do you like it? I can't die. I contact, yeah. didn't I? Um, so, yeah, um, big brain stuff there. But they've changed it now to in the lower prices. So up to 0.02 ETH, it's a minimum increase of 10%. Then 8% from 0.02 ETH to 0.1 ETH. 0.1 ETH to 0.5 is a 6% increase and 0.5 or above is a 4% increase. So essentially, the higher the bid, the lower the minimum bid increase percentage. What do you think about this? We're kind of, I think everyone's like, yeah, but I think they own again to start off with the, the contrary or the opposite. A few people were saying like, oh, it stops me tactically bidding. So like where you stick the bid on before you go to bed at 95% of the value. And it's like, well, that's the whole reason it's been brought in. And for me, I was happy because I'm not, typically uh, get the early bid in and let them beat me. I'm more of a set the alarm, be there for the auction and come in at the last minute and just see if I can nab it. So like it didn't impact me. It actually helps my cause because it means I don't have to come in at 10% over. And I often felt myself getting priced out when I'm going for super rares or uniques in the two, three, four eighth mark. You know, the next bid could cost you 500 quid. Whereas now I might be able to go 200 quid more. You know, it's like, it's just nice for me. Um, I think most people are happy. It adds more opportunity. It's probably more money for so rare because people won't be priced out. Less yeah, opportunity for that I, kind of gaming. I, yeah. I agree with all those points. The only thing I would like to see personally is a, a max bid function like you have on eBay because that would make the auctions much less hassle for people and it would combine the best of all of this. Do you know how that works? Basically, you have an Mbappe for one ETH on the platform and you put on a max bid, or you, you have an Mbappe auction that's at 0.2. Mbappe's current value is, let's say, one. You put on a bid for 0.99. No, yeah, 0.99. And it'll bid up automatically unless other people do a oh, bid that's above your max yes, bid. And yes, I think I know that's, that. even, that's, an even, that's a much user friendlier way to do these things because you don't have to like monitor the, the auction and yeah. you don't have 
that you don't have to impact with bugs on the platform or like all of a sudden you can't bid anymore or issues with your credit card. Like, I think that's a much better system. I agree. I, I do. I think, um, I didn't know what you meant initially, but I do now. If I could rock up and be like, I want that super rare, I will go up to 2.5 ETH. And then if someone sticks 1.65, mine goes to whatever, is it 6%? The next next increment. The next increment, percent right? Yeah. That would be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I I think that would be great. I mean, what do they lose? They lose people on the site. They lose site time where you're there, you're on the auctions. Maybe you see something else you want to buy. But equally, people would probably be less likely to miss an auction. I would definitely bid more. Exactly. That, you can bid a lot more. It makes you a lot freer to spend on on auctions that are in the future. And it'll increase the attractiveness of the late hour auctions. Because now in the U.S. time auctions, you only have people that really stay up that late or Americans Mm -hmm. buying. And I think the majority of the user base is still Europe-based. And so you're making it time zone independent, meaning that the auction flow is much nicer. I'm going to hit you with an absolute left field thing and then we're going to cover a couple of your points and then see if there's questions, right? This is, we're recording on Wednesday at, it's currently quarter past four. When you go and look at the market, there's one unique left and it's up in two hours. There's 11 super rares. They're up in six hours. Usually, whenever there's a drought of auctions, something's about to come. Be it new players, sorry, new clubs, new leagues, or they've just sat in their arse because they've been distracted with Mbappe and the academy and they're about to just stick out a bunch of random guys whose names begin with P. Like, it could be either of those. I don't know which one. I better check the limiteds. When do the limiteds run out? Probably quite soon. Um, But my, my whole point is, yeah, five hours, they run out. But when we could literally hang up this call and something could drop. You know? I'll say that the Australian A-League... Is that everyone talks about that? Is it any good? It, like, I have no idea, but it's already. It you can find it in their API, so there must there are references to it. So I'm pretty sure they licensed them already. It's uh, same situation with the Scottish Premier League that was already on the API before. Okay, so maybe it's that. Might be the Premier League, but I would be very disappointed in the Sora marketing team if they launch it on a Wednesday, June 29, when they also yeah. did the Mbappe announcement. Highly unlikely. I don't. I don't think that happens unless, yeah. like, they're trying to like unless they launch it and then Mbappe's on. But why would you use Mbappe as like a thing for announcing the Premier League? Maybe they'll even? do the Mbappe Power Hour. I was about to. That's where I was going to go. Maybe they'll go and celebrate like Mbappe with like French national team cards or like. PSG being relaunched or I don't even know the whole of Ligue 1 <laughs> that would be great but you'd, again you'd expect that to be tomorrow you know yeah. like a separate day so I don't know look by the time this goes out people will have known what's happened maybe it's been incredibly disappointing and it's just more random MLS and Asia cards um, or that's not necessarily disappointing just normal or maybe it is actually something but who knows um Okay, so a couple of other points you'd mentioned. Um, this one I thought was was very interesting, um, and I thought we should definitely cover it. I'm just making a wee note here. The I'm going to ask you this and see what you have to say. So you said market outlook for so rare new developments interests you. You have some interesting thoughts. For example, is so rare a Ponzi? I'll just ask you that. Is so rare a Ponzi? Obviously. 
if you look at the if you look at Jeez. the traditional under the current business model, provided that nothing changes, it's obviously a Ponzi scheme because you're relying on investor inflows to pay out existing investors, meaning rewards. That what mm. they could do is they could shut off all the ETH rewards and then it might be a consistent system where you don't need inflows. But the current way the company is structured, it is it is a Ponzi scheme. That necessarily isn't bad and it's not comparable to other Ponzi schemes because there is significant utility that you derive from playing the game that is other than just financial utility, right? You like the game, you're playing the game because it's fun, but there's also a significant financial aspect to it. And the only way that SoRare can currently finance that financial aspect is with new user inflows. I'll give you the hypothetical scenario I'd actually be curious what you're going to say. What do you think would happen if there were zero new user sign, like no use, no new user signups over the next five years, and there will be no more money inflows into the platform? Zero. What do you think would happen? As they currently run the platform, it implodes exactly. in itself and dies. But Correct. there are new and different ways they can provide value or entice people. So, something that I am very bullish on and there's a million better ideas that are probably way more lucrative, but I think they need to not necessarily steer away, but I really do think they need to double down on experiences, leveraging licenses um, and real world utility, real world stuff for fans going to games. That's right. I think if they do all that stuff, that gets into pricelessness and that gets into like real world utility outside winning Ethereum. Um, and there's obviously, but there are there are other ways they can make money, but they would probably dry up too if no users came, like secondary commissions. That still hasn't happened. There are definitely other ways they can monetize the platform and there's other things. But yeah, I, I take your point in terms of it being a Ponzi. Like, not necessarily that it's hard. It's Ponzi. hard to label. It's hard to label it this way because what you traditionally associate with a, with a Ponzi are these crazy NFT scams where the team just, rug pulls all the community which never ever is that going to happen to so rare mm. i trust nicholas and the team but i think as an investor and my portfolio is worth around 70k i think yours is like 140 150k i think it's prudent to think about the worst case scenarios yeah. and what could happen and actively as a participant in the community to nudge the company to diversify what you essentially what the company needs to do over the long run or the mid run is to diversify their sources of revenue, right? What you said, um, experiences, events, but sort of the three revenue streams that I think are going to be interesting for Sorare are uh, one sort of ads and partnerships. You have a very lucrative audience, people that have money, people that love the game, people that spend significant amounts of money on the game. So it's a great audience for partnerships and ads. Uh, second thing is uh, what you said, sort of the, what did you call it on Fortnite? The the skins, right? Yeah, the aesthetics. Like, yeah. the, aesthetic, uh, the aesthetics of the game. And then a the third thing, and I think this is actually where Sora is going to go, is content, Right. I think what ultimately is going to happen, you're going to see partnerships with companies like DAZN or Sky with SoRare to provide the SoRare overlay on when you're experiencing and watching the games, which is going to bring significant eyeballs and then add dollars into SoRare, SoRare's pocket. But that's 
that's ultimately the thing that I, as a player, as Sorare, want to see. Because even with secondary market fees, it's still a closed system, and you're relying on money coming in from the, the players or yeah. for the managers. And if that ever dries up, what you're going to see is a, a cascading effect, right? People are not, going to stop spending money on auctions. Next thing that's going to happen, and that might actually might precede it, is on the secondary market, people are not going to purchase cards anymore. People are going to scramble for the exit. You're going to try to get exit liquidity or throw your mark cards out there for whatever you can get. People are going to underbid you, etc. I don't see this happening at all for so rare in the next three years because it's small still. It's a hundred thousand users. They're on an. They have a very nice upward trajectory. They have investor money. They have nice cushions. The business model has been is proving to be quite stable right now in these times, but it's something that you want to keep in the back yeah. of your head. It's not, it's not a perfect business model. It's still, it's dangerous because imagine what happens yeah. if, and this is actually a major gameplay development that's going to be on the horizon. In three season, three seasons, you're going to have a fixed supply. You, you have that right now. You have a fixed supply of reward cards that you're giving out every year, right? Sorare is sort of saving money uh, on paying out prizes by giving out reward cards, which are technically free for them, or they might pay a tiny licensing fee to, I don't know, mm. whoever the, the team that is, right? That supply, though, it's fixed. It's finite. It's 40 yeah. cards a year. Next year, or the year after, you're going to have 500 Mbappes, 500 Kimmichs, 500 Hollands, all competing for the same 40 rewards of Kimmich. And you're going to have teams, mm. it's, it's going to be the same situation as in Limited that you have right now, where only the... the the star teams win consistently every week and there's going to be very few rewards that are going to be won. So you're going to have to do a sore error. You're going to have to provide a different pricing mechanism or like a, a, a prizes, prize mechanism. You're going to pay out money in ETH or in the experiences that you said that might be free for them. But what that means on the other hand, if you start paying out more price money in ETH, or in, in fiat currency, you're going to need more money to come in from the outside into your mm. system. So think about that. that. Those are that's a topic that I think. I mean, I think obviously they're acutely aware of this, right? Mm. Oh, they're but it's massively that aware I like, of it. Like, I like to think about <laughs> when, when I think about that, right? And I hear you. And all I've said before in this, like, what's the if there's no ETH prizes or if there's no um, like experiences and you're just buying cards to win cards to win cards, I don't see the point. And I remember whenever they mentioned the MLB, I mentioned the inability maybe to give out ETH because of gambling regs or something. It sounded a bit buying cards to win cards to win cards, unless collectability is a thing. So collectability would need to be a thing, and so we need to build their IP to keep, maintain those values long term. But everything you say, I get. And again, this is maybe something that I need to be very careful with because I did it before. And albeit Sorare does feel very, very different um, from Football Index for a million different reasons, and I'm not trying to compare them, but I have before been guilty of going, oh, the big smart bastards with the hundreds of millions who invest, they know, they've researched all this, they know all this. But there is a responsibility, I think, for everyone to sit and look at it yeah. themselves and have a think. Dude, SoftBank is a major investor in Sorare. Do you know the deals that SoftBank has done over the years? I don't. Show. Are you about to scare me? Oh God. Okay. No, no, no. no not, I don't want to scare you. I think Sorare is great, and I think they are on the verge of building something amazing, like a very, uh, truly great experience for football fans. Mm. Not sure how the MLB thing is going to work out, but this is a this is a very very big caveat that they need to be aware of because the reward supply is finite. Once the reward supply is exhausted with the cards, 
you need to pay money in ETH. More ETH prices means more money that needs mm-hmm. to go in, meaning you're a less profitable business, meaning that you need higher reserves, meaning that you're dependent like, like a vampire on the money coming in. And if that money dries up, you're fucked unless you have other yeah. sources of revenue. I, I hear you. And it, it's something that's acutely crossed my mind before, I suppose. But again, and again, maybe naively, I look at this as like, as you said, early days. I still think it's super early. So even if that is a problem, we won't realize that problem for some time exactly. because there's new sports they can add, new fans, new markets they can tap into. But I'm hoping that over the next two or three years, maybe they can fully address any concerns related to that with their moves. And I think the content's a really important one. I think with the access so rare has, I'm just going to say it. I think it's an absolute shit show that they aren't essentially positioning themselves in a sense as like a media company as well, in terms of having a YouTube channel that is blossoming with their access. If they hired to, and I kind of bad. You know, well, like, again, and I mean, this sounds like I'm trying to put myself forward for a job, which I'd actually, actually absolutely be interested in. But like, if they had one, two, three <laughs> hosts, five, ten hosts from across the globe who spoke different languages, and they utilized and, and leveraged all the utility, all the tickets they get, all the access to players they can have, all the connections they have in that office, keep Mbappe for five minutes, you know, keep them for an extra 10 minutes and kick a ball with them, do this, do that. And if they were creative with the video ideas, they could create really viral videos that through Obviously. YouTube ads and ad revenue on YouTube could make millions. Here's like, an idea. Buy, buy a limited team of, I don't know, Manchester United players once they come out, sit down with Rio Ferdinand, watch a Manchester United game and have him comment on the stats. Harry Maguire, imagine the fun. That's the thing. I, what I'm saying is like the ideas I have for YouTube and my stumbling block is access. If anyone listening likes me and can get me access to players, I'll love you forever, genuinely, because that's the stumbling block. It's getting the access. And once you get the access, if you have good good ideas, you can make really good videos and it's a whole in, income thing. It's a whole other revenue stream. So for the likes of so rare that have all that, I do think longer term short to medium term they really have to use that and i think like i i won't get into the ins and outs of it but i remember speaking to someone at so rare before and basically i said about fucking get me players and they were sort of saying but or i was saying that you should be talking to players more utilizing that using that and essentially the response i kind of got was what are we going to say any different than every other dickhead who interviews them says how, how's the team how are you interviewing and it's like that the, is it's so easy look at the content yeah, look, look, look at youtube exactly look at youtube look at what's doing well in the sports and football yeah. world you come up with creative little fun ideas game ideas you bring the personality of the player out you sprinkle nfts and so rare through it you strike virality and through that video you sprinkle in a little bit of education around NFTs to debunk the kind of myths and tabooness of it in the football world. That's FIFA's my pitch. Doing excellent. Hire FIFA's me. Doing, yeah, hire him. FIFA's doing an excellent job at this. They walk into the Liverpool training grounds and present these ridiculous, like, oh, here's your, here's your, I don't know, uh, ultimate your card, team card. Yeah. And then they, the players mock each other over this. Like, Sora is even more interesting because you have monetary values attached to it. And they can be like, mm. oh, Mbappe, buddy, you're like 10 times more valuable than Drexler. Yeah. But yeah, the, the point being of the, the, to cap the Ponzi discussion, it ultimately, it has the, all the characteristics of one, but I think that's totally fine for the wild being because they are going to develop a business model that's going to not only depend on the revenues coming in from auctions. And that's what we want. That's what you 
are looking for as an investor, because we're all investors into SoRare as well. If SoRare mm-hmm. goes bust, like I, we will all have lost a lot of money like the people did on, on Football Index. And even though it might go bust, you can still play the game, right? But is it going to be fun if your 10,000 euro Kimmich is now going to be worth 100? Yeah, but it, it'll still suck. It'll stink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it is we as the community and like we need to look out that Sorer actually does something else to then accept the, the SO5 money that they're getting. Right. Yeah. No, it's an interesting point. I'd be interested to hear people's thoughts on socials because it is it's a pretty be interesting discussion. Mad statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not something that's said often, but I'm, I'm excited by it. Cause I think it's one for the big thinkers and the people who like their essays and threads. Um, I, oh, I wanted to throw this out there. Five free drinks at the London So Rare meetup to someone who buys their ticket by the end of this week. So this podcast goes out on Friday. Um, you have two days, essentially. Get it bought by Sunday night. I'm going to take um, a random person who's already bought their ticket and you're going to get five free drinks. You also get a free drink with your ticket. So that'll be six free pints or whatever's. Um, Emily said in the comments, she'd be blacked out with that. I, I was going to make it like, 10 free drinks so you could drink free all night but I was afraid I'd just get someone paralytic and that's maybe a little irresponsible so I picked five I think five is fine you're, you're free to give them away if you don't plan on drinking if you're driving but five free drinks six free drinks all in in London is essentially probably like 30 or 40 quid so yeah you're getting your ticket free and then some so yeah get your, if you're buying your ticket get it done and the reason I'm doing that is I really want to have a concrete idea of numbers and I know what it's like everyone waits to try and suss it out and they'll buy their tickets a week or two earlier um, but yeah that's happening 5th of August in London if you need more details hit me up right let me see we have a couple of questions we might go to them unless you, any of your topics you really want to hit because we do have questions to get to and we've only got maybe another 10 minutes what do you think? I mean, one other interesting controversial topic is opening, like, I mean, the TNCs just came out, right? But I would love to open Soria for professional investors and professional managers. I think it would I think it would give a lot more liquidity to the markets on the platform. And I think it would primarily affect the upper leagues on the in the in the existing divisions, super rares, uniques. And I think it could provide some much needed liquidity in those. So that's another controversial topic. I'm more of a, cause they made that the, the new rules are quite strict, right? You cannot have another person manage your account. Like there are caps on, well, sort of implicit caps on loans, right? I think the loan thing, maybe you turn that off completely, but you do allow people to manage each other's accounts and you allow companies to sign up for it. Cause I think that could also be very set, very interesting dynamics and could make it a real, like certified investment vehicle. Because mm. ROIs are still great if you think about it from an investment perspective. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like there's different things you could do. Like even imagine like um again, I, I don't know how this looks or how whatever, but like imagine the clubs that were on board could hire a manager to hire to run their club and you just had like like Liverpool were running Liverpool stacks each week. Now maybe it gets murky because they're lining up players that are going to play. Yeah, that is a little <laughs> Yeah, maybe that gets a bit murky, but actual clubs being able to run it, I don't know. I don't know, but did you see? There was something, I, I didn't follow this, but I've seen in rough bits of it. I don't know if you follow this. You know Tony Watt, who plays the game for yeah. the place for Dundee? He was scooping up a bunch of player cards. It turns out he's not allowed to play them. And I don't know why. I didn't follow why. I don't know if it's... My only guess is that he can't play cards 
of players that are involved in a match he's involved in. I think that's it. Maybe that came even off the back of the Ajax stuff and the lads there. Maybe just players can play, but you can't pick players on a game week for a game you're involved in. Because that makes sense. That kind of like solves all the issues, doesn't it? So maybe that's what it is, but I didn't see any official comms or anything about that. But I kind of seen him saying, he made a tweet and he was kind of like, well, I can't play this, so someone else but should enjoy it or should use it or something like that. But um, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see more professional, like not player, like players, yes, but also just professional investors play the game. You can even split it out into professional and like not professional, like non-company leagues. But I think that could bring a lot of liquidity and like even validate the business model even more. The ROI that you can make, oh. but this is sort of this is a very this is a very un, I haven't fleshed out my arguments for this, but mm. I think it could it could be interesting. They've added more uniques and super rares to the market, and they're all just Asian and MLS guys. Yeah, I mean, like well, I don't know. There's probably a bunch of professional vehicles on the platform already. Like the amount of capital that Roxy can deploy, right? It's typically not yeah. individuals. Yeah. No. No. You're right. They probably are just behind a manager name, but um. Yeah, as I said, the um, MLS and Asia cards back on the market, so there's nothing exciting coming there. I thought it might have been something to do with Mexico, maybe, um, because they're back, aren't they, this weekend? But yeah, it's interesting what you say. We're going to answer a couple of questions and wrap up. So the first question from Jay Fraz, which so rare gameplay announcement are you most likely to get involved in? Um, do you or would you buy players for the special weekly games to get players with low L15 scores to optimize team lineups? You aren't a big SO5, or you say? I do play it, but I personally am probably going to be too busy to do the research for this, so no. <laughs> yeah. What I'm kind of like, I'm at a stage where I think for content, I probably need to start looking at the specialist and underdogs because I know that's what a lot of the budget managers do, and that that's probably good content. What I've started to do, like with limited is, what I've realized is an absolute kick in the bollocks about giving away every limited card I win, is that my gallery doesn't like pick up the tier threes and twos and whatever's that normally have the low averages. So it's either it's guys. I actually put more money in and go and buy. Um, and that's already a pretty big limited gallery for its purpose. But what I have done recently is picked up a few guys who like, if I'm ever like doing one of these videos with one of the guys who comes in to help me, like an expert in a league and they're pointing out guys who I look at and they're like, traditionally they're like fullback type players or just, goal scorers who don't really have much of an AA game guys who can go on a run of averaging sub 40 because they've been given a lot of possession away as a fullback or because they haven't been scoring as a forward but then they have a 100 in the locker or a 95 in the locker I kind of like those guys I'm trying to like pick a few of them up so that you know whenever there's an underdog week and I have a few of them you throw them in one or two of them banging a week and you're laughing um, or like for the specialist you know you stick two of them in who are probably going to shoot a 40 not kill the lineup but might shoot a 95 or an 18, but then you f- fill them with good players. I don't know. They're the types of guys who I kind of look at a bit, but I can't say I'm massively focused on those game modes at the minute. Um, but I am very excited actually for like the super rare, like low average ones underdogs. I did well in those. I won one of those last year because I have a lot of under 23s who DMP a bit and get sub appearances. But then if I line them up when they all start on a game week, it's, it's went well. Um, there's another question there around underdog and specialist or the regular leagues. I don't know if you'll have an answer, Julius, but Sorare Israel wants to know, do you think managers that play limited should focus on underdog and specialist or the regular leagues? 
I mean, as I said before, the regular leagues are highly dominated by star players, right? So yeah, if you're just getting started and you really enjoy the fantasy football aspect, I do think you should go for the specialist leagues rather than the standard ones. With the caveat that if you assemble a specialist team, the special weekly is over, then the next week you might not be able to play or not yeah. competitively. Yeah, the other side to think is like having the upside of the rare win is big for those limited cards, you know? Yeah, like, because with one uh, rare, you can finance two or three more limiteds easily. Yeah. It's the jackpot factor. And maybe in the underdog and specialist, not having to just go up against IX stacks, as you say. Do you think the three mode, this is from JC67, so rare. Do you think the three mode should be a permanent mode every game week across all divisions? For newcomers needing only three limiteds, it makes the entry cost so much more accessible. I hear you, but maybe they want you to give it a go and then FOMO into buying two more cards. Because you well, don't we have the Academy it. now. So I think that's... Yeah, you'll have somewhere to go. A little bit. Yeah, you're right. You'll have somewhere to go. But again, as you say, if it was there every week, people might sit on their three and just sit there. If it's not there one week and you're kind of like, oh, I really like this week. My three guys have good games. Oh, I'll just buy the goalkeeper for 70 quid. Do you know? Maybe. Um, so Rare Spy... Do you think the Mbappe announcement is what Nicholas has been hinting at, making the Premier League license less likely now? Kind of alluded to this earlier. We could speculate all day about it. We don't really know. Um, Weston Davis, if you were brand new to so rare, what two cheap lineup limit? What two cheap limited cards would you buy and stick in the academy for the European season? Weston wants us to tip cards. What I'm going to say is go to my YouTube channel. There's some great videos coming up, particularly with so rare Belgium and Austria. If you're looking for the European season. Um, I don't know if there's anyone you want to throw out there. Nah. No? <laughs> I'd be, okay. I'd be, I'd be giving horrible advice. Don't listen to me. Yeah. I don't yeah. know cheap players. Oh, premium only. So premium only. At, we're at the, the time in the podcast where I'm going to ask you to give me two players um, or three or five or 10, but you have to aim for 137 points in the upcoming game week. I don't, I didn't tell you about this beforehand. Um, I don't know if you've anyone prepared, if you knew this was coming, but if you don't, go and have a think. You need two players for the weekend game week coming that you think will combine for 137 points. Any position? Any position. The rules are you can pick as many players as you want, hit 137 points. Basically, for every charity gets 50 quid if you get 137 quid, 137 points, but for every point you're away, they lose a, lose a quid. So at the minute... Last week, um, Sam with Franco and Fagundes scored 105. Uh, so he gets 18 quid to charity, which gives our total pot to 160 euro. Um, so we're sitting at 160 euro. Let's see if you can add to it. I'll go for Carl Skill. Yeah. And Hani Mukhtar. Mukhtar. He's okay. Playing, though. Let me see. <laughs> That's I don't know if I'm allowed to I'm check. not going to help you. I hope you get it wrong. I hope it's like, I hope you're miles off. <laughs> I hope I hope you're exactly 51 points away. <laughs> I hope Gil rips 100 and Mukhtar does as well. Or, or Mukhtar has a, has a DMP. Yeah. Well, you see, with that sort of strategy, you know, if Gil gets 100 and Mukhtar gets off the bench and scores 30-something points, you're not far then off. Good. But that's us. Um thanks a million is there anything you want to plug before you go I'd say there is uh, well if you want to do your taxes come reach out to us 
uh, check out some of our tools. We also have a great portfolio tracker where you can see in detail how much money you made on SoRare. And we also offer a comprehensive tax report. So you can just download that. It's PDF and Excel. You can give that to your tax accountant and let them figure out how to actually process this in your specific country. Uh, we also have a partner for the UK and Germany. So if you're in any of those two countries, reach out and we're happy to help. Uh, that's it. Great show. Well, we'll look. Yep, it's been an absolute pleasure. And everyone listening, we'll see you next week. That's it for this week's episode if you enjoyed it drop us five stars wherever you're listening and let us know on social what you think of the ponzi scheme debate mbappe was huge the academy was huge let's hope next week and the week after are as big as this one was uh, see you later